the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots and the uh, Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups, where our mission is to unite freedom-loving America-loving Americans and magnify our strength and effectiveness in making and keeping America great, free, and prosperous. Very pleased to be joined this week again by our congressman, at least my congressman, and the 23rd District, kind of from Redlands, Yucaipa, up into the high desert, uh, Jay Obernotti. That's the 23rd District. And uh, we will not, there's so much to talk about. We are going to gonna jump right into it. He's in his second term um, from Big Bear. Um, just on the side, he has a video game company and teaches flying and martial arts. Maybe employ his martial arts skills in, in the swamp there and get some, uh, get us some better results. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jay. That's great to be back, Greg. Yeah. So I'll start with the, start the first point here is, did you what? So what did you watch on Wednesday night? Did you watch the uh, Republican debate with the other candidates? Did you watch Tucker Carl- Carlson's interview with Donald Trump that got 224 million views or both or neither? Uh, I watched uh, Tucker's interview with the former president. Uh, the I've got the, uh, the debates uh, recorded and hopefully I'll have some time this weekend to watch those. So, um, where are you? Uh, you know, uh, we, we have our California primary coming up pretty quickly here in, in March. Um, have you, have you, uh, endorsed anybody? And so where do you, where do you, where, where do you think we should do vis-a-vis this race? We got Donald Trump way in front. Uh, certainly the choice of the vast majority of Republican voters, but he's got four pending indictments and some people say that we should go with somebody else. Right. Well, I, mean, it's, uh, I have not endorsed. Uh, I rarely endorse just because I think that it's not my job to tell people how to vote. It's it's uh, uh, my job to represent them. But, uh, you know, it, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, most of these candidates, at least all the front runners, are going to be at our California Republican Party convention here uh, coming up in just a few weeks. And uh, I'm going to be very interested to see all of them talk. And, you know, what a uh, it's it's a, a really a feather in the cap of the California Party that everyone is coming here to court California voters. Uh, we have had a problem being conservatives in this state that sometimes we feel like our voices aren't heard. But we really uh, have an opportunity to make our voices heard here. And so it's it's uh, it's going to be really interesting to see everyone uh, come out and, and uh, introduce themselves to our our conservatives there at convention. Yeah, it was just, uh, you could see, uh, go to Donald Trump's luncheon speech for, uh, for only $600 a person. Oh, uh, is that what they're charging? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I, I decided that was probably a little too pricey for me. And, um, uh, you may disagree, but the, unfortunately, I think the, uh, the state party gets most of that money. And, uh, that would probably, I think would not be money well spent. If I was going to donate $600, I would donate it directly to, uh, the candidates. Yeah, my choice. Not a bad way to go. You know, we're that one is the one. It's I regret that it's first. I wish there was more in the middle because we have votes in D.C. that morning. So I will right after votes are done, I'm going to be rushing to the airport, flying back to California. And I'm not sure I'm going to make the lunch. I'll be uh, pretty pretty depending on how votes, uh, how late votes go. I should make the dinner. Okay, well, uh, Congress is on recess, and we should be thankful, as Mark Twain said, um, when the legislature is in session, no man's life, liberty, or property are safe. Um, but you guys are coming back to work, you know, back to back into session in September, and I know one of the big things that you're going to have to deal with is a is a spending bill. And I guess the idea was this time you were going to we were going to have individual appropriation bills the way it used to work, and those would work through the process through committee, go to the Senate, and then they would pass something different. And you'd have conference committees, and then come to a resolution. But more recently, it's always been throw everything together in one big spending bill at the last minute. Right? Um, are we going to get another one of those la- big spending bills at the last minute? 
Uh, I would say almost certainly not. You know, the the speaker, Kevin McCarthy, has pledged that that's not going to occur. Uh, he's he's made a very clear commitment that we're going to honor the process. We're going to put these appropriations bills through committee. Uh, they're all going to get an individual vote. We've voted on one of them, one of the 12 so far. So we've got another three weeks to get the other remaining 11 out of the House, at least by the deadline, which is the end of September, which is, uh, as you're aware, the end of our fiscal year. But, uh, you know, so far, I think that that uh, we're going to follow that process. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a big fight. This is, as you know, Greg, this is an existential fight for us as a country. We are in a completely unsustainable trajectory uh, from a financial standpoint. We uh, spent 24% of GDP at the federal level uh, this last year. We only collected 19% of GDP in taxes, which was still the third highest tax collection in the history of our country. So we have we don't have a tax problem. We have a spending problem. We have got to get this spending under control. And unfortunately, in recent years, and I'm talking, you know, the last 20 years, uh, Congress has been completely unable to do its job and balance the budget. So that has to change. And I, I think I'm glad we're having this debate because the, the debate, you know, for the first time in years is centering around what it ought to center around, which is the fact that we don't have the money to continue to spend at this rate. Yeah, but that, but uh, every time it when it comes down when it when, the, when it comes down to the wire, and I think what will happen is House will pass spent some individual appropriation bills, the Senate won't. You're to come up to September 29, and I'd be willing to I'd be willing to I'd be willing to bet you a significant sum of money that <laughs> there will be a last minute. And maybe it's just, you know, quote, temporary, unquote, we'll have a continuing resolution. And for some period of time, uh, maybe through the, through the end of the year or, or what have you. And, uh, that's just, that's just how it's done. And so far, the House has not been willing to say, no, we, we, we're not voting for it. And if the uh, government has to go through a partial shutdown to exert some fiscal discipline, so be it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's if we're talking about a continuing resolution, yeah, I wouldn't bet against you there. Uh, uh, the like a, a total omnibus that funds it for a whole another year, we're not going to let that happen. Continuing resolution, it'll be interesting. You know, people have asked me. Uh, Jay, would you vote for a continuing resolution? And my answer to that is, well, it depends on what's in it. You know, if it's uh, if it imposes some fiscal discipline on Congress, then, hey, bring it on. You know, if it's just kicking the can down the road, which is what Congress has been doing for the last few years, then, you know, absolutely not. Uh, but, uh, you yeah, know, the problem with government shutdowns is it's kind of a two-edged sword. Uh, people get this idea that if we shut down the government, we're ha- not having to pay all these federal salaries and we just save a bunch of money. But if you look at what the Congressional Budget Office says, it's actually the opposite. Shutdowns, unfortunately, cost the government money because when the government starts back up, they backfill all of those salaries, and you're in a worse spot than you were before because those folks weren't weren't in there working. So, you know, we want to avoid a shutdown if we can. But if the choice is between imposing fiscal discipline and not, and a shutdown is where we have to go, then that's where we have to go. Now, you, you last time you were on, you talked about in the uh, the debt ceiling bill that one of the good things is – if there is no, if, if there is no agreement on a spending bill, um, and I didn't fully understand it, maybe you can explain, is, is there, there's automatic cuts. Yes. Go into effect. Yes. Yeah. Very, uh, great question. Uh, and it's very interesting the way this has worked out. So what we were just talking about is the fact that the, Fiscal year for federal government starts on October 1st every year and goes through the following September 30th. So that's why we're having this discussion now about a government shutdown is because if Congress has not passed appropriation bills for the following fiscal year by October 1st, then the government has no money and is forced to shut down. Uh, when we were negotiating the debt limit increase, uh, a compromise was reached, which says if Congress fails to do its job and fund the government uh, it, during any year, the, the first of the year, the calendar year following January 1st, uh, a continuing resolution will automatically kick in at 99 percent of the funding levels of the previous year. So uh, in recent years, of course, uh, every year the administration asks for more and more and more money. And then you've got inflation you know, kicking in there. So 99 percent, you know, is a mandatory 1 percent reduction in, in federal government spending with a growing economy. Eventually, that'll balance the budget. So th- th- this, I think, was a really good thing. Uh, this is an amendment that was offered by Thomas Massey, who uh, is a guy I deeply respect, even though he's a he's an MIT guy and I'm a Caltech guy. We, we get along. So, uh, you know, I, I think this was great because, I mean, what he has said is, look, this this takes uh, the continuing resolution off the table 
as an avenue for increasing government spending, you know, when we can't a- agree on uh, on reductions. Uh, but the, the strange thing about it is the rule that we adopted says that that doesn't happen until January 1st. So we've got this three-month period between September 1st and January 1st where that does not kick in. And that's when, that's when you're talking, uh, you'd be talking about some kind of continuing resolution passed by Congress. Well, you know, for most people, idea of a 1% cut in government seems like, okay, that's, that should, that should be no brainer. I mean, that the government, every department could save 1% if they really wanted to and without any reduction in the government services that people receive. But, oh, yeah. but, uh, but knowing how government works, if there's a 1% cut, we'll be able to hear the howling and screaming out here in California. Oh, you would. And you know, uh, this this is kind of in the direction that I think things need to go. People don't realize how bad this is. You know, we, we were talking a, a moment ago about uh, how how we spend 24% of GDP. We collect 19% of GDP. We've got a 5% of GDP deficit, uh, which is in dollars the largest deficit in the entire history of our country. So, I mean, this is, this is a really dire problem. Uh, our national debt is now past about $34 trillion dollars. And the CBO says that at the end of their forecast window, that's going to be more than a million dollars for every American household. So, I mean, this is a dire problem. The last time that our national debt was this big, it's only happened once. It was at the end of World War II as we were coming out of this, you know, really disastrous world war. And uh, Congress looked at that debt and said, you know, this is completely unsustainable. So what they did is they impaneled what they called an anti-appropriations committee. And that committee went through every single federal government program looking for programs that were no longer required, programs that weren't meeting their original purpose, programs that were wasteful, programs that were duplicative, and uh, recommending them for elimination. And you know what? It worked. At the end of two years, they had the federal budget back in balance. So that's what I think we need to do now. I've, I've introduced a bill that would impanel something I call a finding federal savings commission that would do the same thing, go through every program and uh, then make recommendations on eliminating or reducing them. And uh, Greg, the problem as you're aware is that every time someone in Congress proposes a spending reduction, that proposal is embodied in a bill that has to go through committee and all the special interests get together and they try and amend that into uh, into uh, inconsequentiality. So, you know, they'll say, oh, but you can't cut our program. And so someone will offer an amendment. And, you know, all of a sudden that spending gets put back up to the previous level. So uh, my bill would say that when the commission recommends a program for elimination, that comes to the floor of the House highly privileged, as we say, which means it can't be amended. It's not heard in committee and it has to get an upper foot down vote on the floor. And uh, I really think that that would go a long ways towards solving this problem. Uh, and you know what? I, I've, I've been, it's been a couple of years in a row now that I've introduced that bill, but I, it's getting a surprising amount of traction this year. I, I am cautiously optimistic we might see that panel seated in the next 12 months. Okay. But you'd have to get the Senate to go along to have any, have any binding effect and, and get uh, Brandon to, to sign it. Sure. Well, I mean, and it, you've, you've heard me say this many times, you know, long term, getting our budget back in balance and keeping it there is the work of years. Right. And the only way that we get there is if we maintain control of the House, we take control of the Senate, which we have a strong possibility of doing if we work at it. And then we need control of the executive branch. We need the presidency back and we need to hold all three of those institutions for a period of years to get this done. That's absolutely imperative to us as conservatives. Let's take a pause here and hear from our sponsor, Ed Hoffman of United American Mortgage, the place to go for your real estate lending needs. Back up to this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. Think about this. Your mortgage rate is at 3%, but your car loan is now at 10 or 11%. Over the past year, the average car payment has risen from $400 to $800. Rates on your credit cards have risen from an average of 14% up to 20% and higher. And across the country, credit card balances are higher now than they were before COVID. HELOCs are now at 10%. You don't want to touch your low-rate mortgage, but you're paying through the nose on all of your other debts, and it's hard to make ends meet. Solution? Do a cash-out refinance and wrap all your debt together on your house now and lower all your payments. Then when the rates really drop next year, you can do a rate and term refinance when rates are really low and not have to pay the cash-out refinance fees to do it. If this idea makes you curious, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. 
AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, Redlands Tea Party Patriots, Unite, i.e. Coalition. Very pleased to be visiting with Congressman Jay Obernoti, who represents my town of Redlands, or most, most of it, and then around through Yukaipa up and, in, and into, the, into the high desert. One of the things I like about Jay is even if you don't agree with him on things, is he gets out into the community and takes questions. When before the last redistricting, my congressman was Pete Aguilar, Democrat. And very rarely, if ever, did he have any public events where he would take any questions from members of the public. And uh, so Jay is to, even if you disagree with him on things, he's to be commended for that. Um. One of the areas I think we do disagree on is the uh, proxy war in Ukraine uh, with with Russia. And I think we're at $200 billion and and, and still counting. I, I think that the Brandon administration wants another 20 or $30 billion for, for, for that effort. The uh, Ukrainian offensive, by all accounts, it's hard to get good information, but by all accounts, has failed. And it's failed very costly for the Ukrainians as they've um, gone in with not enough troops, not enough equipment, and to very well-prepared defenses of minefields and artillery. Um, have you rethought your position at all of, 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 of just keep funneling more tens of billions of dollars into that effort? Yeah. Well, to be clear, I mean, the last time you and I had this discussion, we were talking about, you know, the fact that uh, these are successive tranches of funding that go to Ukraine. And uh, I scrutinize every single one you talked about the, the administration's latest proposal, you know, we haven't actually seen that in the form of legislation, but my very first question on that is going to be, is that paid for? Because if the answer is no, it's an emergency. You know, we have to go around the spending controls instituted by Congress earlier this year in our, our spending reduction deal. You know, the answer is going to be heck no. But, uh, you know, uh, 30,000 foot view, you know, I still feel like uh, pushing back against the territorial aggression by authoritarian governments like Russia is something that the U.S. absolutely has to do, because what Russia has abundantly demonstrated is they're not going to stop until the international community forces them to stop. I mean, we should have stood up when they take took Crimea and we did nothing. And so then they took Ukraine. Now, finally, some opposition has been galvanized. But, Greg, if if we hadn't stood up to them, then they'd be in Moldova next. And then maybe after that, Poland and Poland's a NATO ally. And that would drag the whole world into war. And, you know, for the people that say, oh, well, that can't happen. I mean, we just went through this 50 years ago with World War Two. You know, Hitler had the same authoritarian government, the same territorial ambitions, and the international community was far too slow to stop him. And the result was millions and millions of deaths. And, you know, the other thing, Greg, is, and you and I have talked about this before, uh, I firmly believe that China would be in Taiwan already if the international community, led by the U.S. and its allies, had not stood up to Vladimir Putin. Uh, I think that's the only thing that kept China out of Taiwan. And that is a war waiting to happen, because, as you know, Taiwan is a much more uh, important strategic and uh, economic partner to the United States than Ukraine is. I mean, 90% of the world's advanced semiconductors are manufactured in Taiwan. We absolutely cannot allow Taiwan and those chip factories to fall under the control of the Chinese Communist Party. So, I mean, all of this factors into this decision about whether or not to support Ukraine. But uh, we absolutely need to do it responsibly, uh, and that's why I scrutinize every time we have a vote on a tranche of this funding. You know, the, the, uh, we we scrutinize that and we push back when it's appropriate. We'll see when this administration proposal uh, comes through. But like I said, my first my first question is going to be: Is this paid for? Because if the answer is no, my uh, you know, then I think the administration needs to go find some other spending reduction to pay for it. And then the second question is: You know, is it going to be responsibly uh, spent? Because this is taxpayer money we're talking about. Yeah, uh, Ukraine is one of the most uh, corrupt countries uh, in the world. Their, we- their weapons that have been sent there have appeared in various arms markets around around the world. Um, I, you know, I just don't see, and again, we're an area where we differ is Putin is not Hitler. This is not 1938. Russia and then the Soviet Union has never attacked and tried to and tried to invade Europe. Uh, all through the Cold War, when the Soviet Union, I think, was a greater threat than is Russia today, 
They never attacked a NATO country. So the, I, I, so I just, I think the people that are saying, well, you know, if we don't stop them here in, in Western Ukraine, then they're marching into Poland. Hmm. I don't buy it. I, but, but Greg, Greg, they have attacked Poland in the past. I mean, it's gone Poland, Polish territory has gone back and forth. Uh, you know, so, uh, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure that that's a reasonable conclusion. Okay. They <laughs> divided, I mean, right. Okay. They divided. All right. If you were willing to dive into history, which I don't want to, given our number <laughs> of the time is, yeah, with, when they divided up Poland with the Nazis in 1939, okay, they took, they took half of it and you'll go back to the Congress of Vienna and the Napoleonic Wars, but that's kind of going beyond. But, after World War II, clear, the Soviet Union never attacked a NATO country ever. Okay. Um, I do, and I do, I, I do, we have other important things I do want to talk about. And that is, <clears throat> we've seen these investigations. The Biden family is clearly corrupt. They've been, ta- they've been taking bribes from all over, from all foreign oligarchs all over the place, uh, Ukraine, uh, Russia, China, um, yeah, they, they, they use false, they, they use false names, Peters, whatever her name was for, was for, for Biden and so on. Um, the border's wide open. They're neglecting their duties there. They've weaponized the Department of, of Injustice and the FBI into, uh, their own version of the Stasi, the East German secret police. Um, is it time to move beyond? Merely having some investigations and issuing reports, which few people read, and impeach these guys for corruption and delegation and derogation of their of their sworn duties by, for example, opening the border and ignoring American immigration law. Sure, yeah, I think that uh, if you look at the work that. Uh, Jim Jordan is doing in uh, House Judiciary and James Comer is doing on House Oversight. You know, thank goodness we have control of the House because the things that they have unearthed in those committees, which are some of the things you just mentioned, we would have never been able to get that information without the subpoena authority that those committees have. And so uh, I, I think you're right. I think that's the direction that the, the House is moving. Uh, I think that we're doing it appropriately in uh, real contrast to what the Democrats did with, uh, with President Trump. You know, the Democrats, I was, I wasn't in Congress for the first impeachment, uh, but I was in Congress for the second impeachment of President Trump. They didn't have a single hearing before they introduced those articles of impeachment. You know, and that's not the way the process works. The process works is, uh, you know, you do an investigation, you gather all of the evidence, which you can do when you have subpoena authority, uh, and then you put together the compelling case. Uh, and then you know, it's clear to everyone what you're doing and the fact that, you know, this is not about, you know, political retaliation. This isn't about merely disliking someone uh, or disliking their policies. Uh, you know, this is about corruption. It's exactly what you just said. This is about impeachable offenses, which are different than, you know, merely disagreeing with someone. This is about, you know, violating your oath of office. And, and uh, you know, so I, I'm really happy that we're going through this process. Uh, and I think I think I hope America sees the difference in the way that we're going about it compared with the way the Democrats went about it, because it was clear when they did it, it was all about politics. Mm-hmm. We have a little bit of time left. Um, uh, Michael uh, Michael Anton, who wrote the Flight 93 election, great writer, great thinker, says that uh, he wrote recently, and a much longer article is that our power, prestige, wealth, cohesion, competence, and confidence are all on the decline. And would you would you share that assessment? And would you share that, or maybe my way of saying it is that we're losing our country, our freedom, and republic with what we're doing. And as Lincoln said at the outset of the Civil War, as our situation is new, we must think and act anew. And we only have a minute left here. You can a little more time than that. Assess our situation. Are we losing it? And what would it take to save our country, freedom, and republic? Right. Well, I mean, we've just been talking about this existential threat to our country that that uh, uh, federal uh, debt represents. That's driving this inflation. That's hurting every American, right? And this is a direct consequence of uh, of the malfeasance of the current government. Uh, add on to that what you were talking about, about the fact that our freedoms and our liberties are under threat. Uh, you know, they have been from the progressive left for a couple of decades now, but it's particularly acute now. So I, I think that we do have to to, uh, to fight 
for the restoration of the values our country was founded on, the values of freedom and liberty. You know, it's appropriate to do that. It's, you know, Jesus was the one that said it first. I, you know, I don't come to bring peace. I come bearing a sword. And, and you have to fight sometimes for, for what you believe in. Uh, and that's what we're doing now in pushing back against these, you know, liberal, progressive, big government ideals uh, and, and fighting for those principles of freedom and liberty that the country was founded on and that we need to return to. Um, never enough time to go over everything that uh, we should be going over. Um, if you would like to, uh, thank you for being on the show. And if you'd like to see Jay in person, he will be at the Redlands Tea Party Patriots meeting on September 7th, 7 o'clock at Mill Creek Cattle Company. And you'll have a chance to both hear him and ask your questions of our congressman. And as always, thanks, Jay, for being on the show. And um, we'll have you back. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, Greg. Thank you. And stay tuned for the exciting second half of Unite, i.e. Radio. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office of that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots and the Unite, i.e. Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups in the Inland Empire, where our mission is to unite freedom-loving America-loving Americans and magnify our strength and effectiveness in making and keeping America great, free, and prosperous. And very pleased to welcome back to the show today someone who exemplifies the motto of our show, the most important political office is that of the private citizen, is Erin Friday. She's an attorney, and we won't hold that against her. There are, you know, as we say, now, 97% of attorneys give us uh, the 3% a bad name. Uh, got... Her entry into politics was when her uh, her her daughter announced that uh, she wanted to be a boy, and the whole long story, which we may, we probably won't get to today, of how Aaron was able to pull her back, but got that that awakened her to her duties as a private citizen, and has jumped in full force on that. Started as part of a group called Our Duty. Dot group with important information in this regard and is also associated with another uh, website that provides important information for, for parents called uh, Facts, Law, Truth, and Justice. That's FLTJLLP.com. So welcome to the show, Aaron. And, and the, the, the reason I reached out to you to join the show today was when I read that uh, you were holding a public program um, about these issues at a, at a public at a public library and the librarian stepped in and censored you that's correct yes What's up? The, yeah the library well it was it was really truly a, a setup by both the li- library and the librarian um, so my colleague uh, she's a member of uh, Yolo County Moms for Liberty put together a program with a bunch of different voices. So we had an, uh, a woman from icons who is one of the groups leading the charge to get men out of women's women's sports. And then we had California family council representative from them. We had a representative from our duty. So it was, it crossed over party lines as it normally does. Now Um, this is the new normal, right? That we're holding hands because we're all trying to safeguard women's spaces and children. But what happened was the librarian about 15 minutes before the program, uh, informed us that he would not be permitting anyone to quote unquote misgender anyone during the program. And if anyone so did so that he would shut the program down. When we asked him for the legal basis for his pronouncement, he refused to produce it. And we know as attorneys that there is no, uh, there is no law that actually would support, um, the, uh, insipid statement that he made. No, in fact, just the, now is it, did you guys rent the room there or how did that work? Yes. Yes. So, um, Moms for Liberty, Yolo County, Beth Bourne, she rented the room as she has done in the past. Um, yeah, so she paid some money for it, uh, rented the room, and um, there were a significant number of counter-protesters and a significant number of people who wanted to come and listen to what we had to say. It was probably split 50-50. Well, I know enough First Amendment law to know that, that they've now opened up that room as a public forum. And, and as such, they, they cannot discriminate. They cannot, based on viewpoint. 
So if, if you're engaging in uh, First Amendment protected speech, which you were, they cannot shut that down. That's correct. And they cannot compel our speech. They cannot make us say words that we do not want to say. They wanted us to use the word uh, trans woman, and we refused to do it. Now, so when the librarian says shut you down, did, did you shut down or you say, well, um, you can't do that. We have first, this is First Amendment protected speech. We ain't leaving, at least until the police officer says we're going to leave. You have to leave. Well, we take a different tact. I mean, we're mostly made of, of women um, and we're small in stature and we don't want to get into any kind of scuffles. We, we try to avoid violence at all, at all costs. Um, we know what our rights are. And when, when the librarian, um, kicked us out, when our first speaker, who's a young, brave woman, just started to talk about the fact that she got a scholarship in soccer and that's how she got to college and that young girls don't, won't have this opportunity anymore because, uh, biological males are infringing on women's rights. And so he asked us to leave. And, uh, you know, we had a discussion and tried to calm the room down. Um, I did go up to the microphone and talk about First Amendment rights and how we have all that we all have First Amendment rights. Um, they have their First Amendment rights to be standing there with their signs. Uh, but we need to respect each other. And if they are here to listen, then we will speak and we will gladly share the uh, microphone with the opposing uh, viewpoints if, if they wanted to. Um but that wasn't enough for them. The librarian, I, I believe, you know, just started to get um, get some, uh, I would call them beer muscles or or uh, mob muscles. And um, he was being uh, jeered on by the by the rude uh, mob. And uh, he went to the back of the room, shut the lights off and said, uh, this program is over. So we just packed our things and left because, again, we are not a. Um, we are not a violent group and, uh, and we know what our rights are. So we know that later we will be able to, um, uh, file a suit against the library for infringement of our first amendment rights. And I have to say, you know, it was, it was really clear to us that the mob came merely to disrupt their whole goal was to get us kicked out of the library and the librarian fell for it. He was chomping at the bit to kick us out. He was right in bed with them. And, uh, you know, that just goes against what a public library is for. And, you know, it's ironic. He actually misgendered one of the main protesters who goes by they, them. And he called her a her. And, uh, you know, the irony is not lost on, on any of us, but, um, he permitted, he permitted them to jeer us. He permitted them to in- interrupt us. He did not follow the library rules whatsoever when it came to them, only as to us. And, um, we went out to a public park, um, did the best that we could to continue with the program. Uh, of course we couldn't because we had no microphone. We had no ability to show our slides. One of our speakers was zooming in. Uh, some of our audience um, were physically not able to stand uh, without assistance, and we had no chairs. And the mob, of course, they didn't come out to the field. They weren't there to hear anything that we had to say or have discussions. They were there merely to disrupt and uh they found a friend with the with the public library davis public library um it's shameful and um it's just it's just shameful that people can't have we're, we're at a place in the united states where we are imploding we are they don't understand that they are attacking our democracy from the inside out I can imagine. Let me, stop it. Let me just interrupt right there. They absolutely understand they're doing that. In my opinion, they absolutely understand. Now, not every, every, every crazed trans protester doesn't necessarily understand the overall strategy, 
But the people that cause those people to be there to disrupt your event absolutely understand that they are trying to undermine our republic and undermine freedom of speech. I don't believe that. I I mean, the the people in the room, they're not smart enough to get it. They, they don't understand First Amendment. They don't understand that that's what our, our country is built on. Uh, they equate anything we say as hate speech. There are protections from certain speech, but certainly not from what we were saying. They don't actually understand it. There are, there are puppets out there that are, are winding them up, but I don't think the average person, I mean, some of these, there were kids in there, you know, there were high school students in there. They don't understand. They actually think that they are, uh, protecting our democracy. Um, I don't give that, I don't give them that much credit. I, I can't, but you are right. The bigger powers, they absolutely know what they're doing, but the man on the street or the, the trans activists in those rooms, they have no idea. Um, they, they don't understand what, uh, compelled speech means. They don't understand what group think means. They're part of a, you know, they're part of a cult. Um, and so their minds aren't quite functioning. That's oh, no. my, my belief in, in speaking with them because they can't articulate their positions, but a public library, a public library shutting down, uh, opinions and speakers, shameful, shameful, shameful and unconstitutional. Not without, without doubt, when they, when they, now, it, could they keep you from doing that if there was no public forum? You, they don't let anybody rent the room. Different situation. It's not a public forum. But once they open it up as a public forum and let community groups rent the room for their, for their meetings, they cannot engage in viewpoint discrimination. Um, and there was just a recent case. It wasn't exactly on this, but it was, uh, out of D, out of DC when, uh, pro-life, Protesters may put chalk drawings on the um on the on the sidewalk near a, near an uh, an abortion facility, and uh, they were arrested. Whereas the BLMs could spray paint, vandalize, loot, pillage, with and nothing happened to them. And the court said the government cannot engage in viewpoint discrimination through how it enforces the law. You're so, absolutely correct. I, I look forward. I look forward to your lawsuit, and I was hoping that you would have had it on file already. But hopefully, that will that will be coming soon because uh, they're going. They're going. They they're they're going to lose this one, and and uh, I think lose it badly. Yeah, we're going to make an example of them, um, and I think it's really important that it happened in California because what people think is that Californians are one hundred percent in agreement with this, and they're not. And it's oh. and it's not just the Republicans. It's the Democrats like me too. There's a, there's a lot of us out there who are saying who are understanding what is happening to our First Amendment rights. Now, outside of the the, the trans realm, this is such a dangerous place uh, where we where we find ourselves with um, you know before Elon Musk had purchased Twitter, all of the shadow banning and the shutdown of of anything that the government didn't want you to hear. I mean, this is a a frightening place to be. You, whether you believe in vaccines or not, it doesn't really matter to me. But when you shut down doctors' opinions, how do we find the new cures? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, who, who was the, I also, I often say to people when they talk about um, having to have monitors of, of misinformation, I said, who's the arbiter? Who is the grand poobah who decides what is fact and what is fiction? And what an insult to the people who read this stuff or listen to it. You think that they can't figure out truth versus fiction? It's harder. It's certainly harder now. But, but we don't, I don't need someone telling me what is false and what is true. Absolutely. Um, Benjamin Franklin said, warned us that uh, whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must first begin by subduing the freeness of speech. Unfortunately, I think um, your current or former party, at least the people that control it and the people that wind up those activists and send them over to disrupt your event, um, think that's good strategy. 
Let's take a pause here and hear from uh, Ed Hoffman of United American Mortgage, the place to go for your real estate lending needs. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. Think about this. Your mortgage rate is at 3%, but your car loan is now at 10 or 11%. Over the past year, the average car payment has risen from $400 to $800. Rates on your credit cards have risen from an average of 14% up to 20% and higher. And across the country, credit card balances are higher now than they were before COVID. HELOCs are now at 10%. You don't want to touch your low-rate mortgage, but you're paying through the nose on all of your other debts, and it's hard to make ends meet. Solution? Do a cash-out refinance and wrap all your debt together on your house now and lower all your payments. Then, when the rates really drop next year, you can do a rate and term refinance when rates are really low and not have to pay the cash-out refinance fees to do it. If this idea makes you curious, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, Redland Sea Party Patriots and Unite, i.e. Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups. Very pleased to be visiting again with attorney Aaron Friday, who is a co-leader of a group called Our Duty Dot Group, also, also associated with the website of... Facts, Law, Truth, and Justice. Search for that, and you will find their website with lots of great information. Well, the legislature is back in session, and as uh, Mark Twain uh, said, that uh, when the legislature is in session, no man's life, liberty, or property are safe, and unfortunately these days that applies to your children's private parts as well. And uh, Aaron, among other things, is doing great work at trying to alert people to what some of these really horrendously bad bills that are still pending in the state legislature and motivating people to try to uh, try to uh, try to oppose them. What is uh, what are the top bills that you're working on trying uh, trying to defeat now? Um, well, I have a hit list of about 17, but I'm going to talk about uh, the three that are uh, really important to stop right now and that can be stopped. I really, truly believe it. If people can give me 10 minutes of your day, that's all I'm asking for is 10 minutes. It's all it's going to take for you to uh, help stop these bills. There's a bill called um, Assembly Bill uh, 665. This bill is one that will emancipate 12-year-olds uh, from their families without any claim of abuse or harm or self-harm to others by the child. It's um, it, it's being slated, or this is how the, the authors describe the bill, as merely giving parity for those kids who are on Medi-Cal uh, to get outpatient mental health. But that is a lie. Um, they're using, of course, their old language of inclusion, discrimination, you know, all those, all those tropes, um, to hide the fact that really what the bill is doing is, is it's allowing a 12 year old to opt into a residential facility without any claim of abuse by the parents. So in, in my world, that means a child who is gender confused walks into the school counselor's office, and we're talking seventh grade here, and says, I think I'm actually um, transgender and my parents won't like that. The school counselor can say, well, here, here's an address for where you can go and stay for the night or even longer if you so desire. And that child doesn't come home from school that day. This is a real scenario that's going to play out. It can even play out with a benign, uh, you know, I'm mad at my parents. They took my phone. I couldn't stay on my phone all night. I'm mad at them. And the school counselor, along with the child, can can opt into a residential facility. And it doesn't even have to be somebody who's a licensed counselor. The um, it, it can be an administrator along with the child that decides that the child is better off in a residential facility, again, with no claim of abuse on the parents. So no due process with the parents. So basically what California wants to do is tell parents, hey, you get to parent until the child's 12. And after that, they're ours, and we can do whatever we want with them. Because once a child is in in a residential facility, it's going to be 
the burden of the parent to try to get that child back. Of course, Child Protective Services will open up a a file on these parents because why would a child leave a family's home? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get money for it too because you'll have to get parenting classes and all this. So it's really a kidnapping bill. It's a state-sanctioned kidnapping bill, and they are lying um, about the intent of the bill. It is not to get medical kids uh, outpatient mental health without their parents' knowledge. It's to steal our children at the age of 12. So AB 665 can be stopped. Uh, the national, you know, the news is all over this one. The pressure is on Gavin Newsom. The pressure is on Wendy Carrillo, the, the author of this. And of course, Scott Wiener's the co-author, but we, we can stop this. And how do you stop that? Phone calls. That's it. Phone calls. You can protect kids by a bunch of phone calls. And so everyone, it's their obligation. To not just shake your head and say, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Pick up the phone. Send an email. You can call every day. You can mm-hmm. call after hours if you're nervous. You can call on the weekends. Fill yep. those phone uh, machines up. I don't guess they're machines anymore. Um, up with, with, I'm opposed to this bill. It's really simple. You don't need to know much more about it. They're just going to put a check mark. So that's the, that's one of the really bad bills. And then we have AB. Before we leave the house yep. to do this, where would someone who didn't necessarily know, they may not even know who their state legislators are, where, where should, I know that uh, realimpact.us, uh, that website, realimpact.us, you can put in your address and you can get all of the names and contact info for your electeds. Um, how, how, where else can people go with it to get that kind of information, how to connect to their electeds? Yeah, super easy. Um, you can Google. Find your rep. And it will come up. Find your rep dot legislature dot ca dot gov. You type in your address and it will find your senator and your assembly member. And you need to be calling both of them. Mm-hmm. Because these bills are bouncing back from house to house. I won't go into detail, but you need to be calling both, both your senator and your assembly person. And heck, if you are really hot and heavy against this bill, which every one of you should be, get in your car and drive to the district office of your senator or assembly member and pop on in. You don't need to have an appointment and say, look, I don't want this bill to pass. Let them know you are a constituent and their their seat rides on your vote and the rest of your friends' votes. Call Call them. And pop on in. Doesn't take that much time. And you think, uh, you think, you think that it doesn't matter, but you are absolutely right that some of these really bad bills, even Democrats, that they, if they, if they feel enough heat, as, Reagan, as Ronald Reagan said, if you can't make them see the light, let them feel the heat. Let me make uh, something really clear. The heat is on. And, and I know this because we have been doing rallies. So Freedom Angels did a rally, uh, two Mondays ago. And guess who set a, a press conference the same time that the Freedom Angels did on these bills, but Gavin Newsom. So that is very clear to us that Gavin Newsom was trying to steal the press from our, uh, our press conference and bring it over to his. And guess who did it last Monday? Tony Thurman, the superintendent of California, he did at the same time. There was another rally uh, for pro parents. So they are on the run. Let them feel the heat. Again, these legislators, they need to hear from you because they have been motoring forward with nobody bothering to tell them that they were against these bills. Your voice matters. It really, really matters. Um, and it's really a nothing task. And you don't need to be a lawyer. You don't even need to know that much about the bill. You can call up and say, I would like you to oppose or abstain from AB 665. That's it. That's all you need to say. It's as good as somebody having a full on discussion. Or you can call it, call it the state kidnapping bill. They know what, they know what that is. Quickly, what are some of the other really bad bills that parents, when they call in, uh, and, and even non-parents, should, should say, and don't vote for these bills as well? 
So we have AB 957. AB 957 is tying uh, uh, gender affirmation of a, of a child to three words, health, safety, and welfare. That it is in the best interest of a child's health, safety, and welfare that a parent affirm the gender identity of the child. This is the backdoor way that Scott Scott uh, Weiner is telling parents, you are abusive if you will not transition your kid. This is a vital bill to stop. It's not just in the custody realm or that that's how it's written right now. But those three words, health, welfare, and safety, those are magical words that you find in the penal code for abuse and neglect of children. If they pass this bill, I guarantee you next year there will be a bill that will say parents like me who held the line and did not affirm their child's gender identity will be deemed abusive. That bill needs to be stopped right now. Again, this is a heat bill. Gavin Newsom is afraid of this bill. Let's make him more afraid of this bill. Call in. You can call Gavin Newsom's office. You can send emails. You just go to, you type in Gavin Newsom's contact and you can write a quick email. You want to say something? Sorry. Yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 I need, to be, need to be rude here and jump in because we are out of time. Uh, AB 1078, state takeover of school boards. AB and SB 596 to uh, the vague standards to prosecute parents if they speak out at school board meetings are two other bills that I'm, that I'm close that I'm watching and, uh, and, and monitoring. And I wanted to thank you, Aaron, for being on the show and all your great work. And uh, as always, the most important political office is that of the private citizen. And tune in next week for another exciting edition of Unite IE Radio. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.